Waiting on God at Christmas time. That's our theme for today. Welcome. Yes, it's time for another look into the life and message of Elizabeth Elliot. She called us to live to a higher standard each day. To not be satisfied with throwing a little religion into life as a shallow substitute for giving God our best. As the series continues in the coming weeks, we'll hear from family, friends, and others who are influenced by Elizabeth's life and message. Today we hear two Christmas programs, Patient Endurance and Emmanuel, God with us. Later on, we'll be hearing a Christmas story about Jim Elliott as we hear from one of the brothers of Elizabeth, Jim Howard. And Bob Lapine will join us and talk about the first time he heard the name Elizabeth Elliot. First, though, it's Gateway to Joy 173, Patient Endurance. Now, it's one thing to endure something. How do we do it patiently, though? You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says, and underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend Elizabeth Elliot talking with you again today about Advent, the name given to what precedes Christmas in the Christian calendar. And we've been thinking about how to prepare for the coming of the Lord Jesus. We talked about the necessity to be spiritually attentive. I read to you from the prophet Habakkuk, who speaks of taking his stand and watching and listening. We talked about being expectant. You know, God really does want to dwell with us, to talk with us, to walk with us, to share our lives. But he's not going to barge in. He wants to be invited. Another way of preparing for Advent is to be faithful in our work and especially to be quiet. Quiet is not a thing very easy to find, is it, nowadays? And one more thing, patient. I think perhaps the hardest lesson of faith is learning to wait. We always want to do something, and sometimes God is saying, don't do anything. Just be still. Listen to me. It is amazing how things so often seem to take care of themselves, and they open up and difficulties just dissolve if we're patient, if we really believe God. I love what Catherine Morgan said. Catherine Morgan, who has been a missionary in Columbia for many years, you've heard me talk about her as one of my spiritual mothers. She said to me not very long ago on the phone, people say to me, oh, you have so much faith. She said, I don't have faith, I can read. The Bible tells me that God is going to take care of me. I can read. I can read. It's not faith. Well, we do know that there's a mixture of faith in there too, isn't there? But we can all read. And if you read what God says, and remember that he said, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever, then we really have every reason to believe it, don't we? Are you one of those who prays, thy kingdom come, but you don't really expect God to answer it? Well, how do you expect this to be answered? Right now, the world seems to be in chaos, and I want to say, so what else is new? 
we have always with us pollution, the terrible evil of abortion, the social chaos of lesbian and surrogate mothers. These are not all disasters in the final sense. These are the buds on the fig tree. You know, Jesus said you're to be looking, and when you see the buds come on the fig trees, then you know that summer is near. And likewise, we're to be looking for the coming of the Lord. Does it seem a contradiction that when things seem to be at their worst, that this is a sign of hope? Well, it's one of the paradoxes of Scripture, isn't it? Is it unbelievable? Well, it's the word of the Lord. He knows what he's doing, so I don't have to. Now we know certain things from what the Lord has told us, but the time is coming when we shall see. It's one thing to know something. It's something else to see it. But we haven't seen yet all things brought under his control, have we? Advent, this season, calls us to patient endurance. All is under his control. It just doesn't look that way. We're to be alert and watchful, but not afraid. In Psalm 45, written thousands of years ago, long before the psalmist himself could have had any idea of the full import of what he was writing, he says, my heart is stirred by a noble theme. And he goes on into a peon of praise for one who scholars believe is the Messiah, Christ himself. You surpass all mankind in beauty. Your lips are molded in grace, so you are blessed by God forever. With your sword ready at your side, warrior king, your limbs resplendent in their royal armor, ride on to execute true sentence and just judgment. Your right hand shall show you a scene of terror, your sharp arrows flying, nations beneath your feet, the courage of the king's foes melting away. This is a picture of the coming of the Messiah. Your throne is like God's throne, eternal. Your royal scepter, a scepter of righteousness. You have loved right and hated wrong. So God, your God, has anointed you above your fellows with oil, the token of joy. And he goes on to describe the robes fragrant with myrrh and powder of aloes, the music of strings, a palace paneled with ivory, a princess who takes her place among the noblest of your women, a royal lady at your side in gold of Ophir. And we may interpret that princess as being the bride of Christ. It's a psalm of the incarnation, a psalm speaking of the coming of the Lord in the flesh. It's a glorious description. But you know, every time I speak to you, I pray that the Lord will help me to bring down these soaring, exalted biblical themes to where you live. I've just read you this glorious description of the Lord who's coming back again. But some of you have some very hard things in your lives right now. Those very hard things are also buds on the fig tree. In that wonderful hymn, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. 
It says in one of the stanzas, his purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. And I want to say to you today, help is on the way. God is at work for you. But remember this, in his time, not yours, in his time, you've got to be patient. But this dreadful situation that some of you may be experiencing, that you feel as though you cannot survive, you can't take another day of it, let me give you the encouragement that this too shall pass. And in 1 John 2.17, we read, The world and all its passionate desires will one day disappear, but the man who is following the will of God is part of the permanent and cannot die. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. All these buildings, all these trees and mountains and forests and rivers, but his words shall never pass away. Can you shut your eyes to that truth? Or would you rather look above and beyond? As someone has written, the darkest hour of weariness is the forecast of God's own success. The darkest hour of weariness is a forecast of God's own success. The kingdom of God is nearer than when we believed. That's what Advent is about. Not only the coming of Jesus when he was a baby, but the coming of Jesus as a triumphant king. One of my favorite Christmas hymns is, Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding. Christ is nigh, it seems to say. Cast away the works of darkness, O ye children of the day. Lo, the Lamb so long expected comes with pardon down from heaven. Let us haste with tears of sorrow, one and all to be forgiven. That stanza almost makes me cry each time we come to that. We think of the triumphant coming of the Lord. We think of his judgment. We think of how he is a king with a sword, but he's also a lamb. And in this particular stanza of this hymn, he's referred to as the lamb so long expected who comes with pardon down from heaven. You who are afraid to meet him, let us haste with tears of sorrow, one and all, to be forgiven. So when next he comes with glory and the world is wrapped in fear, may he with his mercy shield us and with words of love draw near. Well, back to those buds. You wouldn't break off the buds of a fruit tree, would you? Why then are we so insistent on the instant fulfillment, on getting rid of all that goes against the grain in our lives? We certainly need not make trouble for ourselves or go looking for it, but when it comes, let's see our troubles, our trials, as the very guise of the Lord Christ. He calls us in our joys and in our sorrows. He calls us o'er the tumult of our life's wild, restless sea. You have to forgive me for giving you so many hymns and so much poetry, but you know, it's the way I've learned theology, and that's just the way my mind runs. But I couldn't tell you what help these hymns are to me. So don't make much of the tough things in your life. It's no big deal 
in the light of eternity. Jesus is coming. This is Advent. Will you prepare for him? Will you make room in your heart for the Lord Jesus? Some thoughts on patient endurance here at Christmas time. Later on, Emmanuel, God with us is our theme for Gateway to Joy 174. Uh, first, though, we hear from Bob Lapine. He spent nearly three decades hosting Family Life Today, a nationally syndicated radio program, and worked in local radio for 14 years. So let's hear about the first time he heard the name Elizabeth Elliot. It was in the mid-70s, and I was in college, and somebody mentioned a book that had come out by a woman named Elizabeth Elliot, and the book was suggesting that people shouldn't kiss until they get married. <laughs> the book was uh, Passion and Purity, and uh, I just remember thinking as a college student, this is crazy. I mean, who who thinks like this? You know, it sounded to me like it was restrictive and legalistic, and it's because I'd been, um, my thinking had all been formed by the culture and not by the scriptures. And so I kind of rolled my eyes at the idea of passion and purity and moved on. And it was only later when I came back to recognize the great wisdom that uh, was included in that book. And it wasn't simply a book about the fact that you shouldn't kiss until you became a Christian, but you ought to be thinking about what the Song of Solomon says, do not arouse or awaken love until it's time. And what a revolutionary message that message was and still is in our culture today. Former host of Family Life Today, a nationally syndicated radio program, that was Bob Lapine. Later on today, we'll be hearing from Jim Howard, brother of Elizabeth, as he tells a Christmas story related to Jim Elliott and how at age seven, Jim met Jim. First, though, it's Emmanuel God with us. Gateway to Joy 174. Some of you may think, why does she always say the same old stuff? And what is this thing about, this is your friend, Elizabeth Elliot? Um, I had a letter from one anonymous listener who said, you are not my friend. And she wrote that on the outside of the envelope in large letters. But I had a beautiful letter from a lady named Janelle. And this is what she tells me. I want to tell you of a simple yet profound way in which you've helped me spiritually. As I listened to your radio broadcast, I noticed early on how you always repeated the same introduction. You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says. And underneath are the everlasting arms. After about a week or two of this, I began to wonder if you couldn't think of anything else to say. After three or four weeks, the introduction was memorized and I said it with you. Then... I listened. It took many more weeks, but gradually I started to believe your words. This is when I became so very grateful that you had the wherewithal to repeat the same thing over and over. You see, I've grown up in the church, was baptized and saved at age 10, have always been sincerely searching and reading God's word for guidance, etc., was also sexually abused, and to make a complex problem the abuse and its fallout, very concise, I have never really believed with complete certainty that anyone, 
anyone really loved me. Finally, I can say with confidence, I am loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Thank you, my friend in Christ Jesus, Elizabeth Elliot, for persisting in getting this message across. Well, thank you for writing that letter. Now, how do we know? How can we be sure of the truth of those words? You are loved with an everlasting love. I don't think there's any season that ought to make it more plain and unarguable than this one, Christmas. Advent, a coming. And one of God's most beautiful names, in my opinion, is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. Isn't that incredible? Can we possibly get hold of this incredible fact? If we do, then what do we expect of him? Christmas is a time of expectation. When you come to Christ, what do you expect from him? What did you expect if you're a Christian? And what did you get? Not very long ago, I heard what I think is an excellent question to ask someone who says he is a Christian, and I don't think that this should be an offensive question to anyone who talks about being a Christian, uh, what did you get when you came to Christ? Now, some people may have a very hard time answering that, and I would probably be one of them just because I can't remember a time when I was not a Christian. Many people have a very dramatic change that they can talk about in their lives, but I grew up in a strong Christian home and probably accepted the Lord Jesus into my heart when I was a very small child. I don't remember a date of that, but I do remember a public profession of faith at the age of 10, but it didn't make any very dramatic changes. But if you want to know some of the differences that Jesus Christ makes in my life as opposed to someone who doesn't have him, then I would certainly have some answers to that, but that's another program. I'm asking you, what did you get when Christ came to you? Think about it right now. In your preparations for Christmas, are you just buying gifts and baking fruit cakes and making cookies and decorating the house? Or are you preparing your heart? I asked, when you came to Christ, what did you get? Well, let's think about when he comes to us. Who could have imagined a tiny, helpless baby? Poor peasant parents. An inn without a room for him. Nothing but a stable in the backyard. Well... It was this baby, this one whose name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now let me ask you this. What do you ask of the world, of life, of the people in your life? What do you expect? What do you really want to get out of life? 
What do you think the people in your life owe to you? Well, too often we're asking what none of those can give. The world can't give it. Life will never give it. The people in your life are not equipped to give it. We're asking for permanence, strength, satisfaction, happiness, all sorts of things that those people were never designed to give. So what shall we ask of the Lord Jesus? Do you realize that God is touched to see that we desire him? Can we say that we want nothing except himself? Lord, give yourself to me, just yourself, and I give myself to you, all of you. Can we pray those prayers? Let me go over that list of his names again, and it certainly is not an exhaustive list by any means. But he's called Wonderful, Counselor. Anybody out there in need of counseling? Do you always start with finding a professional? Or do you start with prayer? Do you come to God in silence, with open hands, telling him that you lack wisdom, you need guidance, you don't know what to do, and ask him for his counsel? Another name is Mighty God. Do you need strength? You can't get it from the people in your life, not as much as you need. Thank God we do receive strength from other people. He brings them into our lives and gives us strength through them. But not enough, not nearly enough for all our needs. Everlasting Father. We're always looking for permanence, aren't we? We're not going to find it in this world, not in your life. Nothing lasts very long. I bought a new dress last week, and the first time I tried it on, a button fell off. My husband bought a new lawnmower, and the very first time he tried it, it conked out. Permanence. Satisfaction. Not a whole lot of that around, is there? And happiness. That's really the bottom line for most of us, isn't it? We want happiness. We want things to go right. We want to settle down, be contented, peaceful. But these are things which the world was never designed to give. Things that the people in your life are inadequate to give. But there is one who can give all of those things. Would you come to the Lord Jesus and ask him for permanence, strength, satisfaction, happiness, if you want those things of him, then I would suggest that what you need to do is to give yourself to him first. If my whole soul chooses him, loves him, prefers him, clings to him, then my desires will be fulfilled beyond my dreams. And I can say that that's absolutely true. I was just talking to a widow the other day. And she said to me, you know, people just think that I have had such a terrible life. But she said, if only I could tell them that what you're telling them is true. She said, God has given me joy. Just this last Sunday, my husband and I were sitting in a room in a church with a man whose wife had died last week. And he sat there and wept 
But in, in the midst of his tears, as he was choking with grief, he said, but I have peace. I do have peace. And only those who have experienced the peace that passes understanding can really believe that that's possible. Choking with tears of grief and saying, but I have peace. What will you give to him, to the Lord Jesus? As the old hymn says, where the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. The truth of the introductory words of this program, you are loved with an everlasting love. I hope that they will be made real to you, grasped, cherished, and that they will sustain you throughout your life. Come to him who came to us. Offer yourself to him who offered himself to us in the humblest, most unimagined form, a little baby. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for you. Here at Christmas time, an important reminder, Emmanuel, God with us. Well, before we go, we have some time to hear a Christmas story about Jim Elliot. Jim Howard, Elizabeth's brother, was only seven when Jim Elliot visited. He and my brother David were classmates in college. They were both on the wrestling team together. They were very close friends all through their years, in those years. And uh, so David invited Jim to come to our home in New Jersey. Jim's home was in Portland, Oregon, but he did come. He came at Christmas time, which would have been Christmas of 1947, I believe. I was seven years old at the time, so my recollections were from early childhood. And Jim seemed like a big brother in the family to me. He was big and strong like my brothers were. So I admired him as I admired them. On Christmas morning, I stepped on one of my Christmas gifts that I had just opened. It was a very small horse and buggy made in England, made out of metal, and I was very pleased to get it at Christmas. And, and I stepped on it and bent something out of shape. And Jim said to me, while I was weeping over my loss, uh, bring it here and we'll fix that for you. So he did fix my little horse and buggy. And, of course, my estimate of him went up at that point because I was cheered up. Uh, sometime later, I was in junior high school and I had to make a banner for my class and it needed to include a five-pointed star. Well, I didn't know how to do that geometrically, but Jim was visiting in our home, and he said, well, I'll help you with that. So he spread the job out on the dining room table and did it in no time flat and made it very geometrically correct. So, again, a happy memory. 
brother of Elizabeth Elliot, that was Jim Howard with a Christmas story about Jim Elliot. Well, our time is coming to an end, but before it does, let me thank you for letting us come into your home, your office, maybe along with you as you jog today, wherever we found you. Thanks for taking time to join us. On behalf of the Elizabeth Elliot Foundation, in cooperation with the Bible Broadcasting Network, let me invite you to check out all the resources at elizabethelliot.org. Lectures, talks, devotionals, videos, and more. It's elizabethelliot.org. And leave us a, a review the next time you get a chance wherever you found this podcast. KKMMPP via Apple Podcasts from Australia wrote, I didn't know about Elizabeth before her talks were shared with me a few months ago. Since then, I've listened to each talk multiple times. Her insights have helped me and guided me like nothing else. Well, thank you. Well, friend, let us hear from you sometime as well. Until next time, may God remind you daily you're loved with an everlasting love. And underneath are the everlasting arms 